Go with me, go with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Gospel of John, chapter 11. And what we're going to do, I'm Ken Pounders, um, Skylar Linderman. Um, this is a dear friend of mine and um, a colleague in ministry and really a, like a son in the faith. Just, um, I, I love this brother so much. And we're going to tag team just a little bit. I'm going to open this message and then in just a few minutes, I'm going to turn it to him, and he's going to actually preach the bulk of the message, and then I will, um, I'll come back up and kind of conclude and close out what we're doing here. I want to talk to you tonight about participating in miracles, participating in miracles. And we're going to go to John chapter 11. I'm going to read a portion of scripture in just a moment, but let me... Let me begin by, you know the passage, it's, it's, it's Lazarus coming out of the tomb, right? So you're pretty familiar with that? Talk to me, yes, yeah, okay. So we're going to look at that, and basically, let me give you a little background. The chapter begins with Jesus and his disciples in one location, and Lazarus and his sisters in another, and Lazarus is very sick, very sick. So, because they're all very close to Jesus, they send word to come. The one whom you love is sick, please come. And Jesus doesn't come. In fact, he just kind of hangs out where he's at. And the disciples, I guess they kind of assumed oh, it must not be that big a deal, must not be that serious. And Jesus even said to them, you know, he's um, um, this, you know, is. This is not going to ultimately end in death. And so they think everything's cool. And then finally, the word comes that Lazarus is dead. And Jesus then decides to go. You know, the disciples must have been thinking, what kind of weird setup is this? What is happening around here that we, we hung out while he was sick? Now he's dead, so we're going. And so they make this journey. And just outside of the village where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are located, Martha hears that Jesus is coming. And so Martha actually comes out to meet Jesus and says, Master, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Well, Martha was a good Jewish girl. She knew the scriptures. And so she said, I know that my brother will rise again on the resurrection of the last day. She's not all that different from you and I. We, we have it all figured out. We know when and how and all that kind of stuff, when it's going to happen. And so she said, I know someday, that someday the resurrection will happen. And Jesus looked at her and said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Well, I want to say to you today, it's no different now. He's still the resurrection. He's still the life. And we still have a responsibility to carry that hope to the whole world. That's what we're called to do. And so Jesus proceeds to the tomb. And from there, I want to read just a little bit of scripture to you, beginning with verse 38, John eleven thirty-eight. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. 
Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know you always hear me, but because of these people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Yeah, that's an amazing, it's an amazing story and certainly amazing on a lot of levels and a lot of reasons. I mean, basically, it's pretty amazing because Lazarus is raised from the dead. Ah, that doesn't happen every day, right? But I think it's even more amazing because I think Jesus was setting up his disciples and I believe that Jesus is setting up you and me. In other words, we're called to do more than just show up at church. I think sometimes that's what we begin to believe. My job as a Christian is to sit on that chair and hold it, make sure it doesn't fly away. No, no, no. Your job is, is way, way more than that. And then maybe you're even thinking about flying away. Man, this world's getting crazy. And so I'm ready to be out of here. Is the rapture going to happen any day now? You know that when I first got saved, I was a drug addict. <clears throat> My life was out of control. I got radically saved in love with Jesus. And at that point in my life, there was no Sonia Pounders. I had no kids, no grandkids. <clears throat> and so I was in, uh, I, it's just me and Jesus, right? And I love Jesus now. And so I would go pray and I would say, Lord, I'm just ready. I'm ready to come home. Let me just come be with you. And so I would do like a little in, in my prayer closet, I would do like a little rapture practice, you know, like, like, you know, trying to help him out. Let's get this thing going. And then one day he made very clear to me, no, 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 it's not time for you to leave because I've called you to make a difference. I've called you to have impact. I've called you to be my witness and to be my witnesses. I've called you to make disciples. I've called you to be an ambassador for heaven right here on earth. <clears throat> and tonight, that's what I want to convey to you. Here's a remarkable miracle. And in fact, this miracle in a very real sense set up Jesus's own death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, up to this point, the religious leaders were irritated with Jesus but they weren't really ready to take action. <clears throat> but when Lazarus is raised from the dead, they said, no, 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 we got to do something. We got to stop this guy. And so this really set in motion everything that ultimately happened to Jesus. But Jesus also used this to set something else in motion. This is the only miracle where he actually involved his disciples. He actually got them in play on this one. And so Jesus saw it as an opportunity 
not only for him to be glorified, but for his disciples to actually participate in the miracle themselves. And so here's what I've come to realize. Um, there's only two ways to see a miracle. How many want to see miracles? Let's just put them up high. You want to see miracles? Yeah, that's most of you. Most of you in this room, okay. So you realize to have a miracle, you got to have a crisis, right? So how many right now say, I want a crisis? Give me a few of you, yeah, but <clears throat> now most of you don't want a crisis. You, you want us, let, let's, let's do some miracles, right? You want to watch us or get pastor up here. Let him do a few miracles. No, no, no. No, if you want miracles, it's going to happen in the course of everyday life. You're going to have difficult times. You're going to have crisis, and that's where miracles come from. And I got news for you. You are going to have crisis. It's coming. It's, it's hard. You've already experienced it. It's going to happen again. There's going to be difficult times in your life, and you're going to get to see God intervene in your life. But there's actually another way. There's another way to see a miracle. The other way is you get involved in somebody else's crisis. This is, this is, this is true. I, I've had the opportunity to not only experience a miracle, I, was, I, I used to shoot drugs in my veins every day of my life. My life was out of control, in and out of jail. My life was a crisis. And God intervened, and he saved me. But then you know what he did? He called me to get involved with the lives of other drug addicts and to see God transform their life as well. You know that the first time I met this guy, he had pus running out of his arms from shooting drugs in his veins. It's true, isn't it? And... God intervened in his life, set him free, and now has made him one of the most remarkable young men I've ever seen in my life. Well, he's not, listen, he's not the only time I've seen that happen. I've got to see it over and over and over again. Let me mention one more thing, then I'm going to turn it to Skylar. In the next chapter, chapter 12, you've got a pretty remarkable little thing that happens in that it was feast time in Jerusalem, and some Greeks were in town for the feast, and they heard about Jesus. Everybody's wondering, is he the Messiah? And so they came to the disciples of Jesus, and they said, we would really like to see Je We want to meet Jesus. So they said, we might be able to arrange that. Hold it right here. And so they run to Jesus, and they say, Master, there's some men here that really want to meet you. And he said, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. I'm guessing the disciples said, what? <laughs> what, is that e what does that even mean? What? Unless a grain of wheat. Sir, we, there, there's... Lord, there's some people over here that would like to meet you unless a grain of what? How does that pertain to anything? But the bottom line is Jesus was sending a very clear message. He was saying, you know what? I'm about to be out of here. My time has come. And if ministry is going to happen, if people are going to see Jesus, they're going to see him in you, in you. And this is, listen, this is the message for today. If, if the Jersey Shore is going to see Jesus, they're going to see Jesus in you. 
Brother Cup. Do I need to use, there we go. There we go. Before I go any further, I just want to say I love New Jersey. I've, I've only been here twice, uh, and I, I've really just been shocked. I was talking with Pastor earlier, and you kind of have this idea coming from the south up to New Jersey that everybody's going to be rude and, you know, kind of abrupt. But I've not experienced that whatsoever. But Brother Ken made a good point. We've only met the Christians in, in New Jersey, so, <laughs> so that's a good thing. Praise the Lord. But I, I really, I'm really uh, thankful and encouraged to see the hunger that I saw earlier in the evangelism training and, and the hunger that I even feel in this room uh, tonight. But yeah, participating in miracles. I'm thankful that, that men and women of God got involved in my crisis uh, five and a half years almost six years ago. Um, I was living a life out of control. Um, I was shooting drugs every day of my life. Um, I was a drug addict for 12 years. My first wife was killed in a car accident. Um, my life was going fastly down a dark hole, and uh, men and women of God stepped into my life, began to speak the Word of God into my life, and I began to see a transformation in my life. And if we look at this passage here, it's one of my favorite passages, actually, uh, one of my favorite accounts in the Bible here, Lazarus uh, being raised from the dead. I think there's a lot of lessons that we can gain and learn from this. But one of the things we need to take note of is Jesus' attitude throughout this, um, especially the portion that Brother Ken just read. And the first thing, the first point, if we want to participate in miracles is we need to have compassion compassion, or love. Jesus was deeply moved. And then the shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. He was so moved with compassion. He knew what he was about to do. He knew he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he was still moved with compassion when he saw Mary and Martha crying in their brokenness and their hurting. He had compassion for them. And I thank God that he's had compassion for each and every single one of us in this room. Everybody we've ever come into contact with, God has had great compassion for them. For God so loved the world. He, he, he's not talking about the, the physical earth. Of course, he loves his creation. He's talking about the people, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person that's ever lived. He has loved with an everlasting love, and he gave his most prized possession, Jesus Christ, his son, for each and every single person, knowing that most people would reject his son. This is compassion, compassion. This is love. This is valuing other people's lives. Matthew 9.36. Matthew 9.36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved by compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without having a shepherd. They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. When we look at our news and we see 
There's different groups that are uh, burning down buildings, destroying our cities, the lawlessness that's taking place. See, these people have never experienced love. They're just running wild without a shepherd because they are in a place of complete and total crisis within their lives. And Jesus Christ died for each and every single one of them. Either you or I or another person of the church, if they don't reach out to them in compassion and in love, our buildings are still going to keep burning down. Things are going to still keep going the way that they go unless the church of Jesus Christ gets a love in their heart for the lost and a love for those that are around them. If if something doesn't intervene in their life, they're heading to hell. This is love. This is compassion when somebody tells us the truth and getting involved. And I'm so thankful that God reached out to me. I was actually laying in a hospital bed. January 4th, it was actually 2016. I was going through full-blown withdrawals. I had just come into the ministry of OMA. They took me to the hospital, and I'm laying there. I'm just... I'm so tired. I've done everything I know to do, AA, NA, psychiatrists, counselors, doctors, and they've all told me the same thing. You'll be a drug addict till the day you die. There's nothing that you can do about it. Well, I decided, even though I've been in church my whole life, I believed in Jesus. I wasn't a very good Christian, obviously, if you're shooting drugs every day. But I'm laying there in the hospital bed, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to go all in for Jesus. I said, Jesus, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll go. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll marry whoever you want me to marry. And the power of God came in to that room. He set me free. His love, his compassion reached out to me. He heard my cry. He pulled me out of a pit. The doctors told me over and over that I would always be a drug addict, but Jesus Christ said this. He said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. He's alive tonight. He sets captives free. He's ready to use you to go out in these streets to take his love and put it in your heart and go and flip this community, this region upside down. So the first one was compassion. We got to have this compassion. We also have to have faith. Faith. Jesus said, remove the stone. And they're thinking, I don't think we need to do that. I mean, he's stinking by now. I mean, it's been days. But faith is doing doing something sometimes that doesn't make any sense. I heard faith could also be spelled R-I-S-K. R-I-S-K. It's like Peter, when he saw Jesus walking on the water, you know, he said, call me out there and I'll come, Lord. And Jesus said, come on. Well, he took faith. He took a step, but he had his eyes on Jesus, and he was able to walk upon the water. What could you and I do if we put our eyes on Jesus and say, Jesus, I'll go. I'll take a step wherever you want me to take a step. I'll get out of the boat. I won't just stay in the boat. I won't just sit in church on Sunday morning. But God, I'll go. I'll go to Philadelphia. God, I'll go to North Carolina. God, I'll go to Maine. God, I'll go to the Middle East. God, where do you want me to go? I'll take a step out. And you want to see miracles? I guarantee you, I'll put my life upon it. You will see miracles in your life if you'll just step out in faith and do what God has called you to do. So faith really is hearing God's word or reading God's word and then doing it. Hearing God's word, reading God's word, and then doing it. We don't have to overcomplicate this. The Bible says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. I don't have to pray to God if I'm supposed to share my faith with somebody. 
I don't have to ask God if I'm supposed to make disciples. I'm not supposed to, I don't have to ask God if I need to love this person or if I need to step out in faith uh, for my finances. This, this is all part of it. And God has, has spoken to us clearly in his word about his calling. And now he'll speak to you individually about specific plans, but he's looking for people that say, here I am, God, send me. I'll take a step wherever you want me to take a step. Um, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word about Christ or the message concerning Christ, as the NIV says, the word about Christ. I talked about this uh, this morning, but when we proclaim the word about Christ, when we step out and we begin to tell people about Jesus, it creates an atmosphere of faith in the room and or, or the place that you are, and then no longer are there impossibilities when Christ gets involved in the situation. All right, and, and the third thing, we're going to need compassion, we're going to need faith, and we're going to need power. We're going to need power and or authority. And, and Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. I've heard some people say, if he didn't say Lazarus, and he just said, come forth, that all the, all the cemeteries would have emptied out that day. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but uh, it sounds good to me. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke out. He took his faith. He took his compassion. And then he stepped into a place of authority and power. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. This word is powerful. Actually, I shared this earlier as well, but when I was laying in a hospital bed, one of the counselors that took me to the hospital he, he didn't tell me John 3.16 or Romans 6.23 or, or one of the messages you would usually use to, to lead somebody to Christ. He told me, Jeremiah 29.13 said, Seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. It hit me right in the heart that morning, and I knew that I, I had to do that. I'm going to just go after God with everything I have and see what happens. I've tried everything else. I'm telling you, when you step out, when you proclaim his word, there is power. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, this is the Great Commission in Matthew, said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm sorry to the sound team. It was about three different translations that I was going through in my head, um, but it was all the same message. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Now you go. What he's saying here is I've got the keys back. I have defeated sin, hell, and the grave. I have all authority, and now I'm giving it to my church. Today, right now, in this room, you have authority. You have authority over dark forces. You have authority over every demon in hell. There's nothing that you can't break through by the power of the gospel, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. And I like this too in Ephesians 
It says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, which shows me that we should proclaim his word to people, but we should also proclaim his word to principalities and powers and dark forces. Because I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of dark forces at work right now. And there's, if, especially all you have to do is turn on your television for a few moments. Could be CNN, could be Fox News, anywhere in between or, or somewhere else. But you're going to hear not the best news. You're going to hear false information. You're going to hear an agenda that's being pushed. Now is the time to hear from God, and now is the time to walk in power and in demonstration of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We better know the word of God in these days. We better know what God is doing in this hour, and we better know that he's brought you and I into the kingdom for such a time as this. Not to just exist, not to just be miserable, not to just have, have different addictions and bondages, but no, he wants us to be free, full of the Holy Spirit, full of purpose to know our identity in him, to know the word of God and to be able to declare it and release faith, release hope to a lost and a dying world. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Brother King. So, yeah, praise the Lord. So, compassion, faith, power, I mean, I love that, that verse you just quoted, brother. Jesus said, all authority belongs to me. And the implication is, I'm giving it to you. I'm making it available to you. So let me tell you something. When we walk out these doors in a few minutes and we, we do our life, don't think you're going out powerless. No, no, no. You're going out with power. In fact, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You ought to think about that on a daily basis and go out with authority, go out with power. But the last thing we want to deal with tonight is action, action. Jesus spoke it. He spoke into the heavenlies, spoke to Lazarus, spoke to that tomb, spoke to that grave. Lazarus comes forth. And did you notice how he came forth? He's a mommy. It's like night of the living dead. He's like... Yeah, that's how he comes out of the tomb. I mean, didn't you want to see Lazarus like come out like, and wait a minute, Jesus could have done that too if he'd wanted to. If he wanted to just say, oh, while you're at it, drop those grave clothes, just come on out of here. But he didn't do that. He looked at his disciples at that point and he said, you cut him loose, unbind him and let him go. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think he was just talking to those disciples. I think he's talking to these disciples. That it's our job. It's our job. Listen, my, my job is to get the gospel to every creature. And that includes right here. Right, right here in New Jersey. Right here in Jersey Shore. That I, I get the gospel to every creature. And then my job doesn't stop there. My job is to make sure they grow up in Christ. In fact, to grow them up to the point that they're not only going to make it, but they're going to make a difference, right? And so let me tell you, I, I was preaching a while back at a church in North Alabama, a church I'm very familiar with. I preach there regularly. I'm also familiar with the community. And so I knew they told me about a girl that had recently come to the church. She's a meth head. I actually, I know her. I, I know, 
I know some of the men she's been involved with. In fact, she's got four kids by four men, and I think at least three of those men still live in her house. So it's horrible. It's, it's drug traffic, day and night. It's horrible, just horrible. But she came to church, and they said she came to the altar, and she wept, and she gave her life to Jesus, and she said, I want to be free from my addiction. And she lasted about two or three weeks. And then she was right back in the same old lifestyle. And here's what they said to me. They said, I guess she wasn't serious. I said, oh, whoa, whoa, hold everything. I said, what, what would make you think she wasn't serious? What, why would she come and come to the altar and cry out to Jesus and say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be free. If she wasn't serious. I said, but let me say something to you. Listen carefully to me. She was serious, but then she goes back home and she's living in the same hell hole she was living in before with the same people all around her and the drug traffic and the temptation and everything right in her face. I said, how, tell me this, how could she make it? What's, what are the chances of her making it? It's almost zero. I said, here's when she's going to make it. When some of the ladies of this church, I bet they didn't like me saying this, but it is what it is. I know them. They love me. I said, when some of the ladies of this church go over there and take her in arms and say, you're getting out of here. And we're going to take you in our home. We're going to love you. And we're going to pour Jesus into you. And we're going to teach you how to walk out your faith. That's when she's going to make it. Friend, let me tell you something. Jesus was very clear that we're to take the gospel into the streets of our city. We're, we're responsible for that, but it doesn't stop there. We're also supposed to take those people that come to Jesus and pour out our lives for them, train them, teach them. Oh yeah, get them plugged in here in your local church because I really like what I see happening here. Plug them in here, but don't think that's all there is to it. No, no, no. You're going to walk with them. You're going to train them. You're going to teach them how to live out their faith. Here's the calling that's on our life. We're called to make disciples. That's not, that's not just the pastor's job. No, it's your job. We're called to make disciples. A disciple is a loyal, learning follower of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. There's a, a, a saying, those who sit under my ministry have heard this a thousand times. You haven't made a disciple until your disciple can make a disciple. You haven't made a disciple until your disciple can make a disciple. And actually, I'd go one step further. And your disciple can make a disciple who can make disciples. It's, it's a generational thing. It keeps on flowing. You pour into somebody until they're well-prepared, well-trained to live out their faith. Let me tell you something about Scott Orlanderman. I'll send him anywhere. I literally, literally, anybody that called me. And so you got somebody you could send that could, could really help. I'm sending him. I got no doubt that he's going to go there. He's going to make a difference. If I got somebody in my community that needs to learn how to live out their faith, I wouldn't hesitate for a minute and say, hey, bro, could you take him under your wing? And I know he would say, yes, I certainly can. And he would do it. And I would have confidence that by the time he gets through with them, they'll be a disciple who can make a disciple who can make a disciple. Amen. This is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to do. And I believe this is the picture of this miracle. Jesus was saying, I'm about to be out of here. And the ministry is in your 
hands. Let's pray. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your hands. It's an act of surrender. It's also kind of like a funnel. You see that? It's kind of like a funnel. And so we kind of want everything he's got, right? Pour it on me. So make your funnel and say, God, pour it on me. Pour it on me. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to turn it back to your pastoral staff. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I want to thank you for this day. It's been a sweet day, and I'm grateful to you for that. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, I pray right now for this body of believers, because God, I believe that they have vision. They've had vision imparted to them to make an impact in their region. God, I pray that you would pour out of your spirit on them. God, I pray that you would stir up the things we've been talking about even this evening. God, I pray you would stir that up inside of them. And God, I pray, Lord, that they would begin not to make excuses, but to make a difference. God, that they would go out and they would have impact in their world, first with their family, then with their friends, then with their neighbors, then with their co-workers, and then with even total strangers. Lord, that they would have vision to make a difference in the lives of people. And Father, I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.